This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast presented by MyBookie. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonalds. How's it going, Damon? We are wonderful. We are in the middle, but not even in the middle. We're not even in the middle yet of G1. And it's exciting and fun and people are talking and the buzz is out there. And uh, it feels like we have real pro wrestling with fans and great matches and plenty to talk about. I, I felt like it was a really great wrestling week, and there's and again, it, it just started. So, uh, I mean, I think it's needless to say we're pretty pumped up for it. We're excited. We hope that you are too. Why wouldn't you be? Um, because again, if two nights are any indicator, we are in for a fun, fun autumn G one season. Let's start off with a question. Well, two questions from Luis, uh, who says, How's Gaming Joel doing with Final Fantasy VII? Has he started it yet? And Vase Collector 420 says, Would Avalanche ever sign a contract with Shinra and then continue to try to bring them down under contract? This question is about Final Fantasy VII and not the WWE Raw writing. <laughs> uh, Damon, I know you haven't played it anymore, but I think the listeners deserve to know how my game of Final yes. Fantasy VII is going. Having a lot of fun with it, actually. Really enjoying it. Sit down, try and set aside one or two hours every evening to play it i've just escaped from the desert prison by winning a chocobo race so just a little sneak preview of something you've got look to, uh, to look forward to when you start playing damon so yeah i'm having a lot of fun with that as, oh. as for the second question would avalanche sign a contract with shinra uh, i think that would be the smart thing to do for you know a bit of guerrilla warfare i think the, the uh, freedom fighters or terrorists depending on your perspective of avalanche will do whatever it takes to take down the evil Shinra Corporation. So, yeah, interesting bit of thinking there from Vase Collector 420. It's just nice to No, you get you get you, You're on a roll. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, it's just nice to have a bit of escapism, given that I don't really get out that much. <laughs> I go to the same places every week. It's the baby group on Tuesday, pub quiz on Wednesday, baby group again on Friday, baby swimming on Sunday, maybe a few trips to the, the shop or the park if I'm lucky. So it's nice to have a little bit of escapism of an evening to enjoy the world of Final Fantasy VII. And uh, also I've been watching a Japanese TV drama series called Hanzawa Naoki, which is about <laughs> banking. And I didn't, I never thought I'd be sitting down to watch a Japanese uh, banking TV show, but there you go. I watched about 20 minutes of it and I was like, this is crap. This is like financial services propaganda. I hate it, but I stuck with it. And it's really silly. It's pretty camp, uh, but I've enjoyed it a lot. So, again, I don't know if that's the sort of thing you would be into, Damon, but it does offer a really interesting uh, insight into the world of uh, Japanese business. Because, you know, it's a bit of wishful film. It's a bit of fantasy going on, you know, like the office worker yelling at his boss. Like the sort of thing that you probably wouldn't do in real life. But just little things uh, I found interesting, like um, this culture of... uh, 
putting the reputation of the company and putting the well-being of the company before your own reputation, your own family. Like, oh, I, I will do what it takes. I'll sacrifice myself to uh, protect the organisation I work for. Which, <laughs> if you ask me, David, I, I would fucking I wouldn't piss on my workplace if it was on fire so this is quite an interesting uh, comparison the way those two cultures clash like that but uh, what, what have you been doing to fill the hours uh, drugs and alcohol <laughs> basically um, no uh, I, I talked a little bit off the air I want to play Final Fantasy I do I, I have like I have all these games and I will say this, um, I did, I don't even know why, but I loaded up um, Street Fighter, and I hadn't played that in fucking, since I was a kid, probably, um, and I just remember, like, the music of it, and, like, there's one, like, great soundtrack, what, what's your favorite? Uh, okay, so there's one, and I swear to God, I was like, this is the fucking shaman, uh, move any, you know that song, Move Any Mountain? Yes, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, no. Are, are you thinking of Streets of Rage? Is that Streets of Rage or. Yeah, Streets, Streets of Rage. Of Rage. Yes. Right, so Streets of Rage 2. Okay, yes. this is stage, stage 4. Yes. The baseball stadium. Yes. Right, that, that's the, the, a really famous soundtrack, Yuzo Koshiro, and he was heavily influenced by that kind of music. So you can actually, there's some fascinating videos. There's a radio show of him that our listener Bash sent me where he talks about his musical influences and it plays them together. You get oh, little clips of the, the soundtracks from Streets of Rage 2 and then the track that inspired it. But yeah, Mo- Moving Mountains, that is, that is exactly what inspired it. Oh my God, oh, that's awesome because this is exactly what I heard. I was like, I don't think fucking are getting royalties for this. I was hoping EMF would show up somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I, I popped that on, and 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 that's just like a, a like three buttons. You know what I mean? Like, so I could handle that. Like, um, it was fun. Like I was, I was like, oh my God, okay, I'm beating them. And the fucking the German suplexes, holy shit. I was like, oh, fucking the nail. Uh, so that was fun. Um, so I would go back to that. But I, I, I do want to, I, I want to play them all. I want to play everything. But I, uh, I'm just not in the fucking. Um, I'm, I'm in this mood, Joel, where I, I can't do anything. <laughs> like I'm really feel like I'm stuck. Um, and I just can't fucking move. Um, to do things that I even the things that I really want to do. Um, there is one thing though that I'm, I've kind of gotten into, and that is wrestling related. So back in the day, there is there was this game, and it's um. Are, are you familiar with a lot of um dice games, like board games that center around sports? So like baseball simulation games or. Um, football simulation games, and it's, but it's all dice and paper. Um, well, back in the day, there used to be a wrestling game um, that you would get in the, the after magazines, um, and it was based off of all real wrestlers. And you got these cardboard cards that represented wrestlers, and you, had, you know you had to roll this to do this. And well, I, for whatever reason, I just remembered this fucking game. It's called like Superstars of Wrestling, um, or Wrestling Superstars, one or the other. Um, and I just remember this game because I used to play it all the fucking time. Um, and we would make our own cards to for the wrestlers that weren't in the packs that you had. Um, 
And I just remember this fucking game. And then there's a, like an online forum about. It. I was like, I couldn't believe it. Again, it's the internet. There's something on everything. So I kind of dug into that, and then um, I found a place online where you could download every fucking set. So now I downloaded every fucking set, and then I stumbled across a dude made. It, it turned it into like a a, a a computer version of it. So it's literally the card game. But it's all computer-based, so you're not carrying around 900 cards and pin charts and shit. Um, so I was playing that, and I had a mini tournament that Ivan Koloff won. <laughs> that sounds great. So what, you can't sit there and say, oh, I haven't played anything, I haven't done anything. That sounds terrific. I, I think you are yeah, that was five being minutes. too hard on yourself. <laughs> that, was, that was five in minutes. Terms of your, ah, well, you know, it's, it's better than nothing, isn't it? You're not I staring guess. at a wall. And I will say this. I am doing so. I, I do have a big project. That is sucking the life out of me, and also I just can't wait for it to get done. So I'm turning my garage into a bar. <laughs> so wow, uh, yeah. So we're cleaning out the garage, and I, and as I look outside my office window, there's a dumpster in my in my driveway full of wood and garbage and insulation and shit. And we're buying a shed to put the shit that should go in the garage. And I'm literally, we're doing it. It's, it's happening. I'm turning it into a bar. Like, not like a, like a place where you would go and buy, but like a place where people, like my friends can come hang out and fucking drink and watch games and be stupid. Um, because I'm sick of everything. (laughs) I'm sick of everything. I'm sick of people not wearing masks. I'm sick of fucking people being assholes. I'm sick of everything. And I just want to be there. (laughs) That's all. That's all I want anymore. That's all I want. I just want. You know what I want? I want Wrestle Kingdom to have people there to watch Wrestle Kingdom because I know I'm not going to be there. So I might as well get to the second best thing and let's let's do that. That's my goal is to have this thing finished by Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. See if you can get some Zimas in. Oh. Relive the good times. Have you thought about any snacks? What kind of treats are you going to have stocked at the bar? Is it drinks only? Well, it's mostly drinks, but I mean, I would say you got to have some nibbles, right? You got to have some little uh, crisps. Um, so yeah, even Cheryl was like, "I, I want to get you one of those, you know, little clip things for the whole, little tiny bags of chips." Um, but no, I mean, you're my you're my man on that. So I, th- I think there should be some uh, some a wide variety of stuff. Um, so I have to look into to to that but i'm excited i mean i i i think there i had a breaking point where it was just like because we we have stuff that's open now joel but it's like you can only stay for an hour and there's only 25 percent capacity and you can't sit here you can't do this you and i understand it's for public safety and and i and i'm all for that but then you have people that decide that like it's fine if everybody complies to that it's not as bad but then you have assholes who have to push the limits, and it's just an awkward situation. And you're just like, I don't want to deal. I just want a fucking beer. I just want a fucking beer. I want a fucking beer and not have to sweat my balls off outside. I want a beer just to fucking watch a game and leave me alone and not feel pressured. I just want to fucking relax for 10 seconds. And it's not relaxing. It's not. None of this is relaxing. So that's what I want. I want my bar to be relaxing. Hey, how about G1? <laughs> More importantly than G1, Damon, we've got the Road to Lions Break Crown Show to talk about, <laughs> which I'll cover briefly because you haven't watched that yet. Um, 
I would not tell you it's a show that you must go out of your way to watch because this is the the show before the big Lions Break Crown tournament starts. Okay. And there's been some really good interviews actually with the eights entrance into that tournament so Kevin Kelly's been doing interviews with these guys they've been on YouTube and they also put all eight of the interviews together up on the official NJPW podcast so I think that's worth listening to give you a little bit of insight into eight guys that maybe you don't know too much about because you want to get that hook you know that little unique selling point for each wrestler the memorable thing where oh yeah that's the guy who was sleeping in his car or that's the guy who has the jiu-jitsu training or whatever it is so that's i think worth checking out if you've got the free time and uh, all eight of these guys were in the opening match really fun eight-man tag team match uh, where it was logan regal pinning jordan clearwater after 10 minutes 17 seconds with a leaping ddt but just again watching that that it's clark connors who stands out and he's still my favorite for that tournament and he almost reminds me a bit of pegasus kid like chris benoit just with his his stature, he's he's stocky, he's got relatively short arms and he just sort of outmuscles people and bullies them and you know, that, that snap to his offence. Yeah. So he's the guy that I think is head and shoulders above the other guys. And the other guys are, are, are good. You know, there's a lot of talent in there, but I will be putting my money on Clark Connors if I had to pick. Uh, second match, we had Rocky Merritt and PJ, Pla- PJ Black defeat Mysteriosa and Fred Rosser. Uh, even though he lost, I think it was a good, it, w- it was a better showing here from Fred Rosser. I thought they did a good job to highlight him being a powerhouse. And the other guys worked really hard, Rocky and PJ Black, to make Fred Rosser look like a you know big, tough, scary dude. And they were flying around the ring for him, making him look like a monster. So that was more what I want to see from Fred Rosser, who is a guy who physically is really intimidating. And he, he does sort of jump off the screen to you. So more of that and less of the kind of uh, generic Vince McMahon house-style wrestling, please. And the main event was Gorillas of Destiny defeating Alex Zane in ACH in 30 minutes, 8 seconds. It was fine. It's a Gorillas of Destiny tag match. You know, It's not something I would strongly recommend anyone goes out of their way to see, but easy way for me to kill an hour on uh, a Saturday morning. Uh, a couple of questions. Ryan says, what do you see as the future of New Japan Strong when the Gaijin are all able to come back? I think when everyone's able to come back, I don't know. Do you think they still run with the show when you know you get the likes of David Finley, Gorillas of Destiny, um, Rocky Romero, Clark Connors, all those people back in Japan. Do you think they still run with this show? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, the roster, I, I, before all the COVID stuff, we were talking about a roster that was pretty pretty deep um, and that could headline shows with you know secondary titles. If and when we get back to a, a, a full roster, um, I don't know how many spots there's going to be. You're going to you're going to look at a ton of fucking six man tags, that's for sure. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the original idea of you know that dojo in in the United States being almost like a like a mini territory? I I, I absolutely think there's a purpose for it, and still a purpose for it. I say keep it. I don't, you know, there's, look, a lot of those guys aren't going to be on the main roster. I mean, that's fine. Uh, they need a, pra- they need a place to practice and get better. And the, the resources are already there. So, yeah, I, I say keep it. There's no reason to, 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 to shut it down. I, I just don't think there's going to be enough spots on the main roster for everyone. 
we have another question from Kid Kilowatt who says, Is there anyone that wrestled on New Japan Strong so far that you would sign to a contract? Only TJP, ACH and possibly Brody King for me, uh, if they are able. What faction would they join? Uh, I'm not really sure about the factions. I think usually when you bring in people like that, they start off unaffiliated. But yeah, I think those three names would be the ones that stand out to me. Uh, possibly PJ Black, but again, he's not someone that I see... He's not like a must-have, like, oh, you've got to get right. this guy on the roster. But certainly I would love to see ACH full-time, and I think there's definitely a spot for Brody King, uh, given, as we talked about with uh, the likes of Jeff Cobb, that they have spots on their roster for, uh, you know, the big, strong, scary Westerners, like the the foreign Hoss-type wrestlers. So I think Brody King is certainly a guy who ticks those boxes and has impressed me. So, yeah, I would love to see him feature more in New Japan. But there's no one else, really, that I think has warranted a full-time spot how about freddie would you uh would you take a chance on him no i haven't seen enough from him to warrant it because as we know the bar is very high for new japan yeah it certainly is and i've yet to see that he can wrestle above the level that we saw from him in wwe that's fair and and here's the thing you're not going to sign him just to have him in the dojo system Right. That uh, that I don't think will happen. Um, what do you think he? And to be fair, like, I, I really want him to be good because he seems like a really likable guy. Yes, I have a lot of re- uh, respect for the anti-bullying stuff that he does, and also you know the fact that he is one of the few openly gay wrestlers. I really would love to see someone like that uh, get a big spot in the company, but they've got to do it on their own merit, you know. Yeah. No. What do you think he lands? Do you think he? Do you think uh, a Ring of Honor? That's the problem. It's like you get. <laughs> What other options do people have at this point? It's uh, you know, Ring of Honor is not really an option at this point, um, based on the fact that they they live and die by live shows. Um, yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a pickle, that's for sure, when it comes to being a pro wrestler in the United States. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think? Look, this show is a show that is there for people to get work and I don't and 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 I don't know if you're going to get everything that you can out of a guy on a show where he's wrestling in a, in a 10 minute TV match um but but in the same breath I don't know how you can give him a 20 minute match to show me what you got show me what you got you know what I mean like I don't how do you how do you make that happen um so it's a pickle all the way around, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you do it, but yeah, I, I, I would agree with you in the sense that um, right now it's not. It's not. It's just stylistic wise. I don't know if it's a perfect fit. Well, let's move on to the main course then, which is the G1 Climax. So we started off on Saturday in the Osaka Edion Arena. With an attendance of 2,401. First, mi- first match was Yuya Uemura defeating Yotosuji in 6 minutes 57 with Boston Crab. And I really enjoy Yotosuji and his Louis XIV aesthetic he's got going with the big <laughs> fluffy hair. I like it. It looks good. And just every time I see these singles matches, it's, and I know we say it time and time again, like, oh, this is the best cast of Young Lions ever. I am so impressed, particularly with Yuya Uemura, who just... He just seems to improve each time I see him. He's got a star written all over him. Yeah. He's good looking, great body. His work is amazing. 
so it's just sky's the limit for you Oemra, and I'm excited to be able to see him in lots of singles matches on this G1 tour. Uh, I, I mean, I find on the whole, these shows are a lot easier to watch without all the multi-man tags. For me, having that little appetizer with the Young Lions singles match and then straight into the G1 action uh, is very, very enjoyable. Absolutely enjoyable. Um, first, let's talk a little bit about the crowd. It, it, uh, to me, it felt like a... This felt like a real show. You know what I mean? I Not once that I feel like I was seeing... A half-empty arena. It looked. It, I mean, you gave a number of what two thousand and change. Um, it looked like there was more than that, and I don't know what they did with the crowd or how they. It looked like there were a lot of people, and that felt good. Um, and you could see it on a lot of the the returning wrestlers' faces. Like the, you know, it, I think a lot of that was genuine. Get, getting to the ring and looking at the crowd and be like, okay, just finally, fuck, here we go. Um, so one excellent job by them. Um, and I know we're in a world where we can't scream and yell and, and cheer. Even then the clapping, the stomping, uh, and you know, there were moments where there were gasps and, 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 uh, small cheers that you could hear audibly. Um, good job. Good job by the crowd. Uh, second point that I wanted to bring up before, before I got to the actual match. Um, I know technology is a weird thing and I know that, um, you know, sometimes you can't do it. You can't get all the, the knobs and the fucking wires to, to make it happen. I gotta be honest with you. And I, and I'm, I don't live and die by it by any stretch of the imagination, but I appreciate it when it's there. And in many cases, it adds to my enjoyment. I think it's I think it's very disappointing that there is no live English commentary for any of these shows. I think it's I think New Japan you had a long time to figure out how to make this work. And the fact that up until the last moment from what I understand that was pulled off the table. Um that is not a great job. Now, again, that might not even be New Japan itself. It might be a TV shy. Um uh, re- I don't care who's responsible. I just think that's a... Um, we should have been able to figure that out for G1. We really should have. And I think that's a, a, a terrible misstep. That being said, uh, I think English commentary will be uploaded throughout the week. But again, you, you people want to watch this shit as it happens. This is These shows are wake-up-early shows. Drag-your-ass-out-of-bed shows. Uh, people look forward to it every fucking year. It's the it's the second biggest thing on your calendar. Fucking make it work. Christ's sake. Uh, I love the I love the, the layout of these shows. One young lions match that we'll see continuous throughout this whole entire tournament. Right, we're going to see the same people in there, so you can almost kind of say you know keep a record of who's getting the better hand and and. Uh, and and that makes it interesting. I like the fact that there's sprints. They're not boring. None of them are boring. Um, I like the whole crop. You know what I mean? There's not one guy where I'm like eye rolling like, ugh, I got to sit through this fucking guy. None of them. Um, I, can, I really can't think of one negative thing about having these young lions open a show and then jumping right into the, the 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 tournament matches. I don't have to sit through multi-man tags. I don't have to sit through, 
you know, nonsense that I know I'm going to fast forward through. Like, uh, Joe, this whole entire tournament, you're not going to see Taguchi. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's not a knock at Taguchi, but I, I want to see the tournament matches. And I don't want to just sit through a multi-man with tens on and fuck. I, you know what I mean? This is this is this is sweet spot pro wrestling. Match was good. Match was really good. Solid. Um, and and a and a great way to to kind of it's an appetizer for what we were to see later on in the evening. Um, that's all I could ask for for an opening match, and and we'll see a lot of it, and I'm excited for it. That brings us on to our opening G1 Climax match in the A block, which was Will Ospreay defeating Yujiro Takahashi in 7 minutes 34 seconds with a Stormbreaker. Uh, We don't have to keep doing this conversation before every Will Ospreay match. As I said all along, you draw your own line in the sands with Ospreay. If you skip his matches or not, that's up to you. Don't let other people tell you you're right or wrong for doing so. It's a purely personal choice. So... Uh, with that, I, I mean, I mean, he's not going anywhere. Let's let's be, yeah. put it like that because I think, judging from what we've seen here and the scheduling, he's probably going to go quite deep in this tournament. And he just looks so happy to be back, and the fans look happy to to have him back as well. But just seeing him coming out and looking around and, and soaking up the appreciation of the Japanese fans and that you know huge smile on his face, it was. You know, did, whatever you think of Osprey, I mean, you might watch that, it might turn your stomach or whatever, but uh, just you could see how much it meant to him to be back in a, a New Japan Pro Wrestling arena, couldn't you? Yeah, I, I you know, the one thing I, I, I thought of seeing him come out, uh, and you're right, you know, I think the reaction was genuine, um, was the interview that uh, he did at G1 in Dallas, uh, where Ah, you know, listen. I hit. I asked the hard hitting questions. You know, I was I was a professional journalist, uh, but he, uh, you know, he made a point to talk about you know how the, you know he um, struggles and where the the ring is kind of his place where he all 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 the troubles of the world, uh, whether they're self imposed or not, um, kind of vanish. Um, in his mind for at least 12 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Uh, he looked, he looked like a star to me. Like to me, he looked like a guy who was ready for the next level. Um, and I know people are making fun, you know, making fun of the, the, the lifting of the weights and his, uh, uh, putting on, putting on extra muscle. It looked good on him. And here's the thing too, he didn't miss a beat with it either. It didn't weigh him down. He he looked refreshed. Like of all the guys, um he looked like he was ready to fucking go. He was lightning in a bottle. Um and I think Yujiro kept up with him, you know? And that's why I really felt like Yujiro was there. Yujiro was there was there to keep up with him. Just just keep up with him. Um look. Maybe even like ease him back into it as well. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, look, those those final nights, they're they're, they're booked for a reason. Um, and I know that in the past we dropped little little nuggets here and there about Will Osprey and what the company and the high lofty aspirations they have for him. 
Uh, look, just put two and two together, kids. Um, he, I, I felt like he looked good in this, um, and it's and it's only going to get better. And I and I will say this: I missed seeing him in the ring. I absolutely, one hundred percent, missed seeing him in the ring. Yeah, I, and you can miss him as a wrestler without yes. that being an endorsement of other stuff. Correct. What, thank you for making making that perfectly clear. Yes. Yeah, it was a good match. A really good opener. Great finish. I love the... I think it was the Tokyo Pimps and Osprey landing on his feet and just cracking Yujiro in the head with the hidden blades and then yep. the Stormbreaker. So that was really well executed. Yeah, one one of the best Yujiro matches I can remember since the... Uh, I want to say Juice Robinson match that he had in the New Japan Cup a few years ago. And I think it was notable. You know, we talked a lot about Osprey putting on that weight but his style hasn't really changed he's still you know doing the same high pace high flying offensive uh, attacks that we have come to expect from him so and a lot of people thought is he going to be wrestling a more heavyweight style didn't see any evidence of that uh also i thought it was notable the fact that yujiro wrestled clean yeah. i thought there might be jado some kendo stick shenanigans but they weren't so maybe this is a sign of things comes maybe yujiro is just there to have a basic opening match you know six seven minutes in and out without too much bullshit so i think that was something that's worth commenting on and uh, of course osprey grabbing the microphone at the end and <laughs> yeah. cutting an, an interesting promo i was kind of hoping that he might have learned some japanese while he was away because i thought when he picked up the mic i was like i thought oh he's going to speak some japanese here he's had plenty of time to practice but no it was uh, a lot of people have said a very kenny omega-ish promo uh, what did you think of it well uh let me pull back the curtain uh, I was Joe watched it live. I, I watched it right when I woke up, popped it on. Uh, but I'm texting Joe as I'm watching shows, and uh, I, I, you know, said I probably said I oh, will look really good. Uh, and then I type in and send away. Oh no, he has the microphone. <laughs> oh, please, please, no! You deleted your Twitter account. Don't get on the mic. Don't get on a live mic. Um, you knucklehead. Uh, I, it was, you know, it was a pro wrestling promo that was uh, a little bit, you know, a little bit on the hokey side. But that's, you know, look. What are you going to do? But I was, I was, I was concerned when, when the, the, the guy who wins the opening match on the G1 gets mic time. I was like, oh, <laughs> that might be telling of uh, of, of uh, where he will be placed later on in the uh, tournament. But yeah, I was, I was a little tr- little troubled by the idea of Will Ospreay in a live mic. Our third match on the card was Taichi defeating Jeff Cobb. 12 minutes, 47 seconds with the Black Mephisto. First of all, I thought Jeff Cobb looked great here. He's lost some weight. I like the beard. The beard made him look tougher. It made him look like a, a grizzled badass. And I think this match is a really encouraging sign of things to come for Cobb's G1 because I know there was a lot of consternation about whether or not he was good enough, about his conditioning and all that. But I think if we get eight more matches like this, I'll be really happy with that. 
And I know Taichi started with the bullshit early on. He brought the hammer out and everything. But for the most part, he wrestled cleanly, which, again, is encouraging because there are a lot of people on paper who, uh, in this G1 Climax, who do have a history of fuckery. So we were worried, you know, we're going to be getting that in more than one match per night. But it looks like Taichi's not going to be doing too much of that. And I thought there was really good selling from Cobb early on with the leg, although it didn't really amount to anything. They sort of abandoned that towards the end of the match. But whatever, I can overlook that. It was just a really interesting story between you know, the suplexes and the power moves of Jeff Cobb against the striking, the stiff kicks of Taichi. And yeah, Cobb is a guy who does tire as the match goes on, but it's kind of like a, a MMA heavyweight who does get tired late on. But I think that adds an interesting dynamic to the matches where you have a, an opponent like Taichi who needs to try to survive the early onslaught and then take Cobb into deep waters in order to get the advantage over him. And like, I don't need every single wrestler in the G1 to have to do 25-minute epics. That's not what Cobb's here for. You know, you look at his car placement. Most of his time, he's going to be in the second match or uh, the, fir- uh, the first match. So uh, I-, I think for that spot, if we're going to have matches like this of a similar length, then I'm going to enjoy them a lot. And I thought this was a really enjoyable match. I thought it was very, very good. Um, and it was interesting, actually, afterwards, Taichi did a kind of pseudo babyface promo. You know, he's been calling Jeff Cobb fat, which is heelish, but then he was saying, actually, you know what? Cobb is a good opponent and I respect him. He's always a tough fight, which I thought was really interesting. Someone like Taichi saying that. So when, you know, that's, that's why I love Suzuki-Goon and Dangerous Techers because they're dickheads, but they're not really cheaters. They, they can beat you cleanly. They're still going to be assholes about it. And I just thought they provided an interesting counterpoint to Bullet Club. But yeah, I enjoyed this match a lot. He called him Jeff Hogg. Oh, that's not nice. <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I don't know what the Japanese word is. It's not exactly hog. I think it... I don't know. I'd have to check with someone who speaks the language. But that's like the, the approximate translation they've done. But yeah. Jeff Hogg. That's sad. That's terrible. Um, yeah, when, when Jeff Cobb came out with the, with the beard from a distance, you put a hood on him. He looked like, uh, looked like Steve Williams a little bit. Um, so Gary okay. Albright, yeah, Gary Albright, yeah, that's a great, that's that's a good one too. Um, I like Jeff Cobb. I don't, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's a narrative out there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if people give a shit what I think. Uh, but eh, I'm going to be clear. I, I like, I do like Jeff Cobb. I just think that he, in many cases, needs uh, the right opponent. Um, and you're right. Uh, in, in in no way, shape, or form should he be expected to go out there and put on 25-minute, 30-minute matches. It's, that's not his thing. Um, you know, 10, maybe 12, 15 power moves. Absolutely. And, it, and it, look, I think he learned a, a bit of a lesson, his first G1, when it came to the conditioning I still think that there's a big difference between having this tournament in the middle of summer as opposed to late September and October. I just think I just conditioned well, I don't care I don't care how good you are. You you get you lose a lot of uh power and wind and stamina in those summer months. You're in an air-conditioned building, but again, this is Jeff Cobb's air-conditioning needs. I don't think Japan can meet. Let's put it that way. 
Um, I like this match a lot. I like this match a lot. And I did see the, the, the post-match promo from him, from Tai Chi, uh, talking about, you know, I'm not the same guy as I was before. And, and, and we've been saying it for months that he's not the same guy. I just don't understand people who want to, I don't know, just stuck and can't see. I think people hand-waved him long ago. And they just are unwilling to give him a second look. But I really think they're missing out. I I look forward to Tai Chi matches just about as much as, you know, any other upper mid-card guy. Let's put it that way. I'm not fast-forwarding Tai Chi matches. I think this match was better than their previous match that they've had together. Um, I wouldn't say this was my favorite match on the show by any stretch. But I would not call this, you know, even average. I thought this was very good for for what you could argue as two guys that are stylistically not compatible. Um, like Tai Chi's not going to be the big bump guy that it feels like Jeff Cobb needs. Um, but I liked it. I, I I liked the match, and I think Tai Chi. Again, I, I hate to beat the dead horse. He's not the same guy that he was. Three years ago, four years. You're going to see some bullshit. Of course you are. But I think you're going to see more of this than you are going to see bullshit. And that, that's, that makes me want to watch his matches even more. Yeah, that's right. When you get deep into Tai Chi matches and he's just kicking the crap out of people and dropping them on their heads, I think it's just not engaging with good faith for people who just sort of hand wave him and say, oh, Tai Chi bullshit, because that's... That's not what he gives you in 90% of the matches. So I'm glad we're on the same page there. Uh, speaking of people beating the crap out of each other, the fourth oh. match was Minoru Suzuki defeating Tomohiro Ishii in 30 minutes with a gotch-style pile driver. This, oh, where do I start? Just just pure ultraviolence that made my heart sing. And when this match was going on, I was jumping off my sofa and thinking, this is the real G1 Climax. Yep. This is a real thing. Yep. You know, we've had a lot of wrestling that is in the New Japan ring and it says it's New Japan wrestling, but it doesn't look like New Japan wrestling. It doesn't feel like New Japan wrestling. But this was the moment where I'm like, fucking A, we're back. 52-year-old Minoru Suzuki beating the piss out of people. It's, this was uh, two old stags battering their heads together until one of them can't get up anymore. And Ishii... We love him. He isn't the strongest. He isn't the toughest. But he never backs down from a fight. And here he just... He picked a fight with someone who hits harder than him. It kind of reminded me of the 2013 Shibata Ishii match. It had the similar sort of frenetic, violent energy to it. And it is one of those matches that make you forget that you're watching scripted pro wrestling. Like the those clean, crisp, vicious strikes that just echo through the arena. They snap through the arena like a rifle. And just great selling from both guys, particularly Ishii when he does his wobbly legs. Just tremendous stuff. Brilliant way to reintroduce the never champion. Let's not forget, he is the never champion. Suzuki, back into the G1. I'm delighted he's back. This was match of the year level stuff. I loved it. Fantastic, right? I mean, this made you feel... It made you feel good. It it made you feel alive. Uh, It made you hop out of your chair. And, you know get a little bit more comfortable and settle back in. I think that the the most telling part 
of this match was actually the beginning. Bell rings and Ishii is ready to fucking go. And you could see almost Suzuki kind of wanted to play it slow and Ishii was having none of it. And we're going face to face and we're going right now. <laughs> like, like this is, it was almost as if Ishii was like, this is not New Beginning. This is not Dominion. This is not World Tap. This is motherfucking G1. And this is where I shine. So here's how this match is going to go. <laughs> and he went. And and Suzuki was like, all right, let's fucking go. It reminded me a lot of their um, Rev Pro match, if you remember back uh, a few years ago, where they, uh, they headlined and they were smacking the shit out of each other. Yeah, this was... This was as uh, as close to if not a 100% perfect G1 Ishii Suzuki match like i can't think of how i would make this better or how i would tweak it or where i could you know kind of uh, maybe if they no no this is exactly what i wanted from these two now, you could argue, ah, they're playing the hits. They're going out there and, and playing the fucking, yep, great. Give me the hits. It, it, especially in this moment, with these two, I want the hits. Yeah, I don't want fucking nuance. I don't want you doing a 20-minute fucking guitar solo where you put me to sleep. I want the fucking hits. I want to jump up and down with my mates. I want to have a couple beers. And I want to scream at the top of my fucking lungs. That's what this was. That's what this was. So, yes. I mean, I, I'm i not going full fives. And I know we don't do stars, but I'm doing stars. I didn't go full five. But this was in a solid mid-range four. And it gave me everything that I wanted in a Suzuki Ishii match. Uh, no nuance. No <laughs> subtlety. They kicked the fucking shit out of each other for 13 minutes. That felt like five. So, thumbs up. Chef's kiss. Whatever the fuck you want to go with. is This was, especially night one, must watch. If you haven't watched. And why would you not watch it by now? But must watch. And I'll go so far as to say this. I know where I, I bitched and moan about English commentary. I, I want to hear Kevin Kelly's call on this. I actually will watch and go back. I want to hear Kevin Kelly's call on this because he because because I I might know these kind of matches. He he digs he digs these kind of matches. So I, I'd be interested to hear that. Fifth match was Jay White defeating Shingo Takagi. Ninety minutes twenty eight seconds with Blade Runner. I know I said it when we saw him on Strong. But it's just so great to have Jay White back. Now he's in Japan. I said before, he's one of the few wrestlers, I think, who's making the most out of the clap arenas. And I know they've got this funny thing now with the, the humming booze, which I thought was really amusing. But I just, I like the way Jay White was fucking with the crowds and saying, come on, applaud for me, clap for me. So, uh, and like mocking them with getting the, the claps, the clap chants started. Yeah. And I know Jay White's style is controversial. It's very divisive because it does feature long control segments but I think he does those better than nearly everybody because 
he will go after a body part. He'll do it with precision and ruthlessness and a real variety of creative moves. He seems to have expanded his moveset. And there's also a really nice ebb and flow to the matches where it, it kind of feels, this is a weird analogy, but like he's trying to keep someone underwater and then they'll pop up occasionally, gasping for air and, and give a little flurry. But then he's back stuffing their head down the toilet. And then you add to that all the trash talk and the shithousing. And to me, it's very, very fun to watch. And this match was the epitome of the Jay White match as he just mercilessly went after Shingo's back. And it was great. Shingo's selling was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. My heart did sink a bit with a ref bump towards the end. And I do do hope it's just Jay White that's doing this in this block. I'll be okay with that. If it's just for the A block, one match per night, fine, whatever. I, I can live with that. But... The fact that Shingo got the visual pin, I think, is significant. I don't think all of Jay's opponents are going to get that. So hopefully there won't be a ref bump in every single match. In spite of that, I thought it was a very, very good match that serves a purpose, re-establishes Jay as a top guy, uh, one of the favorites for the G1 Climax. I love the match. I love the match. I thought the match was brilliant. I thought Jay White, we talked about Osprey being a star. I thought Jay White felt like a star uh a welcome return and, uh, and sorry he looks fucking tremendous doesn't he yep with the beard yep. and his body just sculpted to perfection and the way he carries himself now he just oozes that star power yep no doubt he felt like a star entering that ring uh he felt almost like he leaped over where he was before when it came to to that and being comfortable in his own skin and just being this person. I thought Shingo did a fantastic job selling offense, power, speed, crispness. Loved it. And then we got to the ref bump. Now, I know people get upset when it comes to the ref bumps, and I'm one of them. Here's what I'm asking. We all know Jay White is a heel. We all know Jay White is a conniving cunt, shall we say. We all know that uh, Bullet Club is a faction that will do anything in its power to get a win. Is there nothing that we can do in the ring other than a ref bump to get that point across? Do we have to see Red Shoes flop around every Bullet Club match? There's, is, is there nothing creative? Is there nothing in the world of pro wrestling bag of tricks that we can delve into that can establish Jay White as a heel without a ref bump? Because here's what the ref bump does. Sometimes the ref bump works. And I'll give you an example. The Zack Evil match where I felt like it worked. And then there are other times where it just takes you so far out of the match and deflates the balloon so much that it's hard to get back into. And the problem is, is that it is every single 
the show. Uh, I would love someone to go through 2020. Top four matches. And I'd be curious of the red shoe refereed matches. How many of them have a ref bump? Somebody's got to say something at this point. It's beyond ridiculous. It's turning people off. It, we, we, I'm all about establishing a heel character. Do we have to get the referee involved with it every fucking single time? I feel like, and I could be dead wrong. This is what I feel like, though. There was a certain point where Red Shoes got over with everyone, and everyone kind of enjoyed the idea of him being this this referee with charisma and and charm and the facial expressions and all of it. And it and all the things that I used to love about Red Shoes, I kind of don't like anymore. It's kind of like the girlfriend or the boyfriend where they have little quirks and they have little things that make them cute or adorable or funny or that, that, that you think, oh, this, this makes them a little different. And now you live with them for two or three years and those quirks become annoyances. And that's where we are. I don't want to see another ref bump because I think we've gone to the point where th- – We've 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 gone to that well so much that they've lost all meaning. Like if you do a ref bump, Joel, occasionally, it, it has more significance. It has more meaning. It has more importance. I, we see it, Joel. How many times do we see a ref bump? It's madness. How many times? And I know I'm beating a dead horse. And I know people are going to say, "Well, they do it all the time in pro wrestling." And New Japan's done it. I know that. I know that. I'm telling you, I'm sick of it because I see it all the time. Thank you. Yeah, I can't disagree. I think the match would have been much better without it. And like you say, it's one of those things, the more often you use it, the less effective it becomes. So I don't want to see it so much. And But it does look like we're going to get at least one per show. <laughs> judging. I think, but I'll, I'll be grateful that it is only one per show. So, uh, well, again, this is one of these. I, I see. I expect it to happen. So when it happens, I'm just like, oh, I roll my eyes and try and forget about it. Right, but that sucks. How did you know? Mm. I mean, you're, this mm. was a great match, and and that just it just deflates the balloon. And I here's the thing. Here's what I really think. Like, I think there was a a an effort to make certain people have that element in their matches and certain people to not have it that you might expect would. But I wouldn't be surprised if that rotates throughout the tournament where it's like, okay, this night, like you can't do every Bullet Club member having bullshit. Like there would just be a riot at, at you know what I mean? There'd be a certain point where you'd just be like, I, I've had enough. Um, but I think, you know, Kenta on one night might be that guy and Jay White has a clean as a whistle match. And, you know, the other, you know, you just can't have every Bullet Club member with fucking red shoes flopping around all over the place. Bring us on to our main event, which was Kota Ibushi defeating Kazuchika Okada. Oh, 21 minutes, go. 35 seconds with a Kamigoya. I heard that. I heard that little noise, Dave. And look, this was not a bad match. It was a no. good wrestling match, but it was by far the weakest of the Okada Ibushi matches that I can remember. I don't think they've got good chemistry. 
when it comes to the opening periods of their matches because they both fulfill similar roles. They're both the, the quote-unquote good guys who I think they need another big character to play off of in order to make the first halves of their matches compelling. So this match had the boring first half of their Wrestle Kingdom match, but without the brilliant second half. And just throughout watching it, just my observation was that Ibushi looked like he was a clear step ahead. Ibushi was terrific here. He looked stronger than Okada. He looked crisper than Okada. Faster than Okada. He looked hungrier than Okada. And he'd beaten 21 minutes. That's half the time of their Wrestle Kingdom match. There were no real near falls for Okada. Ibushi, he didn't even pull down the knee pad for the Kamigoye. Okada, as we know, he didn't attempt the Rainmaker. He went for the money clip multiple times. And I don't think anyone really bought that as a finish. Despite him using it to take out lower level guys. You know, guys like Yujiro and juniors like Hiromu Ishimori. And maybe that's the point. Maybe we're supposed to see that, oh, it's not effective against the top guys and it's going to have to change. But I think if you're going to have a submission move as your finisher, you need to build up to it. And I think the Kenta Goto match, which we'll talk about later, was a really good example of that. And it just feels that there's a real lack of drama with the money clip spots. Because it doesn't look painful. It was really clumsily applied. I don't think Ibushi ever looked like tapping. So let's call it what it is. I thought this was a ponderous and disappointing match between guys that we know are capable of better. So that brings us on to the, the million dollar question. Why was it like this? Now, some people think it's a storyline. It's Okada's Anus Horribilis. You know, he lost his title at Wrestle Kingdom. He lost the New Japan Cup final. He lost the Never Six Man Tournament final. He lost the KOPW final. So maybe that's the deal. Maybe he's deliberately wrestling in a different way to tell that story. You know, he said in Tokyo Sports that he thinks the money clip is a better move than the Rainmaker. He said, if you want to see the Rainmaker, then go and watch his old matches. I was talking about this with Manabu. Okada's a guy who can be very stubborn. And he strikes me as the sort of person who's going to do the opposite of whatever you tell him to do. And I just do get the impression that now he's in a, I can do whatever I want, I don't give a fuck kind of mode. Which he's earned, to be fair. And, you know, maybe at some point there will be a big payoff. He's going to bust out the Rainmaker and we're all going to cheer. Like, you know, when he ditched the long boys at Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago. But if that's the case, does the end justify the means? Because, let's be real, his matches haven't been great to watch since the restart. We've got other people who think he's broken down. He's got injuries. Uh, you know, we saw that G1 documentary last year. We talked about it where, yeah. he, you know, he's, he's struggling to walk down the stairs after a match. And some people thinking, well, this is just him adapting his style accordingly. Some people say it's little of column A, little of column B. But, like, Damon, everyone wants to get the hot take in early. This is one match into the G1. So we've got some people saying, oh, you're getting worked, you idiot. This is the story. Don't you see? And then we've got the other side of the people saying, Okada's broken down. He's worthless. I can't believe you, you, you're trying to make excuses for him. He's shit. And I think the correct take is the unsexy one which is it's too early to tell. I think we need to wait. Maybe wait until the G1's over, or at least see a few more of his G1 matches to see what the deal is. Maybe even just the Jay White match coming up. But until then, I've got to call it like I see it, his matches are significantly less exciting, less dramatic than they used to be. The clap crowd certainly don't help. And I don't think he can tell a slower story match as well 
as someone like Tanahashi. And to be fair, not many can in the business. I think it's different to the evil situation, which a lot of people have compared it to, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, you you, bet you say that it, it's okay when evil's doing the shit wrestling because it's telling a story, but then when Okada does it, you, you're bitching and moaning. I think in the evil situation, he's wrestling in a particular way to elicit a clear and specific emotional response, whether or not you like that. But I think when people watch these Okada matches, they feel confused and they feel overwhelmed and nobody can tell me for certain if that's intentional. So where do you stand on the matter, Damon? Well, there's a lot to digest, right? Uh, That documentary was a eye-opener to say the least. And that was only a year ago when that was shot. Um, And it it really gave you a perspective of what not only Okada, but really all pro wrestlers go through. If, If you turn your blind, turn a blind eye to that, um, it woke you up and made you see that, a guy who is in his late 20s, early 30s, um, who is arguably the, the, the best pro wrestler in the world, can't get out of bed in the morning and has to get treatments and shots and you know can't sleep at night um, due to the pain that he experiences. I... I think that Okada has a history and a um, resume that is unlike just about any other pro wrestler in our lifetime. He's had some of the greatest matches for, in the past five years uh, that anyone has ever has ever seen, and that's Tanahashi, that's Shibata, that's Osprey, that's Kenny. That I mean, there is a list of matches that you can go through that would be at the top of just about anyone's list for best pro wrestling matches of all time. Of all time. So the bar is set pretty high. And sorry, Damon, I should point out as well, this calendar year, you know, the, the back-to-back Wrestle Kingdom 14 matches, Okada versus Ibushi, Okada versus Naito, Great. extremely high ratings for that people love yeah. those matches I, the Okada Naito match one of the best matches I've ever seen if not the best match I've ever seen so you know it's not like he hasn't been able to do it earlier on even this year right yeah that style takes a toll on, on a body right and again as was shown in that documentary so I think that is a large factor in the sense of I don't think that a human being can can keep up that pace forever. And I think that there has to be a point where a pro wrestler says, I can't sleep at night. I can't walk. My quality of life is suffering. I need to change something. Number one. Number two. There are times when even the best athletes in the entire world go out and perform and it just doesn't click. And especially in something like pro wrestling where you guys got to be on the same page. 
you guys got a, a, a stylistically and and working out the mat. There's a lot that can go wrong. And it doesn't always gel. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. It doesn't always fit what with what on paper would look like this should be amazingly great. And it turns out to be it was good. Really good. From a match perspective, I would lean heavily on that. It just didn't work this night. Now, could we blame the fact that we ha- we don't see 2018 and 2019 Okada in 2020? Stylistically, he feels different. Um, yeah, I mean, David, in- like I said, he wrestled... Against the same opponent in January. Yeah. And it was brilliant. Yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Now, I will say this. Again, I'm not a big fan of him stylistically. I feel like... I, <laughs> to me, I hate that 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 ill-fitting, high-collared robe. I hate that. Right? 
I don't think he feels like, like a, the the, um, the cup noodles. <laughs> that, that's exactly what it looks like. Holy shit! Yes. Oh my god! Now I'll never n- not be able to see that. Um, that's that's fucking great. Um, I don't like that. The, even that aside, I uh, that money clip is the most might be the most awkward finisher in all of pro wrestling right now. Like he needs so much help getting that one arm over top of Bushi, and Abushi had no idea what to do. Like there were how many times did that fucking hole get locked on, and Abushi had like he didn't know what to do with his arm. Put it behind my head. Where am I putting this? What what the fuck's going? And it just looked. It didn't look devastating. It didn't look like it was a finisher. Nobody took it seriously. And then the fact that yep, you don't get a rainmaker, okay. And the fact that you really got a finish that felt like came out of nowhere with one shot. We're done. Which leads me to think that, okay, this has to be story. Look, again, I said it from, from the jump. Okada is in a very important match at the end of this tournament. There is a reason for that. We, they, Tanahashi, last, you know, even years that he was won, has started out of the gate rough, right? Started out of the gate rough. Uh, losing to Abushi, if I'm not mistaken, first round. And then wound up winning it. My point is this. I think all of these things are playing a factor. I don't think it is just one thing. Um, and I think Okada has a track record um, that warrants the fact that I have all the faith in the world that the dude can bounce back. I'm going to chalk this match up, uh, up as it didn't fucking work. I hope adjustments are made to figure it the fuck out later on, because again, his 2020 has not been strong. In fact, let's be honest, aside from Wrestle Kingdom, there really hasn't been a lot to talk about. And this was really the one opportunity that everybody was looking forward to, and it didn't quite deliver. And I think that's an even bigger factor than everything else. 2020 has been a long time, and we've all been chomping at the bit for this moment, and it didn't deliver and I think that's disappointing, which leads everyone to go back in the calendar, and be like, "Well, that was that kind of sucked. Well, that then wasn't great." No, no. Okay, I understand we're disappointed. We got a long way to go. Talk to me. Let's let's put it this way: at the end of G one, if we're still having this conversation, we have a problem. I don't think we have a problem right now. I think we have a match that didn't kick, connect, didn't click. I think there's plenty of opportunity that we'll see from Okada to make up for whatever shortcomings we felt 2020 has given us so far. Mark says, do you think Okada will drop the money clip by the end of G1? I don't think. I, I, I Here's the thing. Maybe, maybe you don't see it until the end. Maybe. You don't. You he needs something to put somebody the fuck away. He needs somebody to, to put somebody to, to bed and get a fucking win, and he needs to to, to to pull out all the stops, and then you see the rainmaker. Maybe it's you. You know what? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Okay, 
maybe, maybe this is uh, a case of that where he's holding out and he's holding out and he's holding. He's not going to play you the hits. How about that? He's not going to play you the fucking hits. He's he right now is you two <laughs> pop tour. How about that, kids? How about that one? Where you're like, uh, okay, this album wasn't great. You're going to play every fucking song from it? Yeah, I want to hear it. This is exactly what this is. I think you'll hear a hit by the end of this tour. Let's put it that way. How much would you bet? That that what? There will be no Rainmakers? That we will see a Rainmaker. By, okay, this is why I said the Jay White match, because he's got Yujiro up next, and I think there is a non-zero chance that Yujiro beats him. If he's right. fucking about with the money clip again and not doing the Rainmaker, I could see Yujiro sneaking a win. And then Okada's 0-2, and, and he's got his back to the wall. That's why I was thinking the Jay White match. That could be the decisive one where he's like, maybe this isn't working. Maybe I've got to pull out the big guns here and you know, go back to what brought me all the glory and success from years gone by, which is why I said the Jay White match. And, and the reason I'm asking you, Damon, how much you would bet on that is because our lovely friends at MyBookie oh. are the people to go to when it comes to your betting needs. Are they not? They are. They are, certainly are. Um, I, I wish they took odds on G1, uh, Joel, because I'm sure many of our listeners would be in. But listen, even, even if they don't, we got a lot of sports fans that listen to this. A lot of sports fans. And now's your time to get in. I mean, I can't think of I mean, Premier League. Uh, the NHL's giving away a cup in just a handful of days. We got the NBA playoffs right around the corner. It's a winning season, Joel, at my bookie. It means doubling your first deposit. It means free bets, super contests, survivor pools, and even more. It's at my bookie. It's a winning season. It's all about your chance to win big. Again, NBA playoffs, we're in full swing. NHL playoffs, I mean, cups being given away in a couple days. You know you want to get on on that. Major League Baseball, season's closing up. We're ready to go into the playoffs real soon. We got big UFC fights right around the corner. Look, simple. You make your picks, you win big, collect your cash. Invest in your Sports intuition. A lot of people out there pumping their chests. Put your money where your mouth is. Select from hundreds of future bets. Or you can bet games in real time. My bookie's live betting. You're going to put that big brain of yours to good use. Again, put your money where your mouth is. You're already doing it. I know. I know you. You're putting money down right now, so we're doing you a favor. We're going to make it even more fun for you. Because, again, I'm, I'm in on it as well. Uh, use that promo code. Super J. We're giving you something. We're giving you something. And then that code, promo code Super J, and double your first deposit. How's that? Super J, double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, and that's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you already bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, parlays, they await for you. Sign up. Sign up now. Bet with the best. And celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today. Again, enter Super J as your promo code. Double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. 
and winning season began for Yota Suji in the opening match of day two of the G1 Climax as he beat Gabriel Kidd, 9 minutes 15 seconds with Boston Crab. I don't mention it before, but I really like the way Gay Kids adds a bit of spice, a bit of backstory to his matches. You know, he did that little mini feud with uh, Togi Makabe, and he's been doing the same thing with Yota Suji, where they've been going at it in the backstage comments at each other's throats. So it just adds a little bit of extra something to make these matches exciting and memorable when you have some storyline going into it. And yeah, this is just really good stuff. And I like Yota Suji a lot. As I've said from the start, he's always been my guy out of this bunch of young lines. I don't necessarily think he's the most talented or has got the highest ceiling, but I just like the way he looks. I like the way he wrestles. I like that he's a you know, big dude. He's not all you know cut and ripped like the rest of them. I could see him being you know, sort of never open weight style Hoss guy uh, long into the future. So um, any thoughts on the opening match statement? I got to, I got to, I don't, I don't think I've mentioned this before, but um, I think a special tip of the cap, a super JKS tip of the cap has to go to Gabriel Kidd. And because here's a guy who said, all right, we're in lockdown. We're, we're shut down. I'm going to stay in Japan. And I'm, I, you know, I'm going to train here. And he took advantage of a situation where he can be on these shows, these, and we'll call them main shows, uh, get a little bit more of a spotlight on him. Uh, an already fantastic wrestler, only getting better. Uh, m- one of my favorite young lions, let's, let me point out as well, um, who's going to have an opportunity on these G1s to open up these shows, get even better. Uh, get more eyeballs on him. I just think it was a real smart move on his part. And, and a real smart move. And a move that took a lot of guts in my mind. So, again, tip of the cat to Gabe Kidd. Uh, Sorry, while, while we're talking about Gabe Kidd, David, there, he does this column on the New Japan website. So this is called A Brit Abroad with Gabriel Kidd, LA Bound. And there's a story about... Uh, okay, let me read it to you. When we finished practice on my last day of training, I spoke to Shibata-san and told him that I wanted to be part of the team and I wanted to be a student. I wanted more than anything to be LA Dojo. He looks at me with a stern look on his face, grabs my belly fat and shouts, you see this? No strength, no power, please lose. Then you can come back LA Dojo. <laughs> I get that every day when I wake up in the morning. My wife grabs <laughs> You see this? This is why you're not getting blow job. Please lose. <laughs> <laughs> please lose. Um... Well, look. Sometimes uh, there's a lot of delicious treats in Japan. I just let it be known. Um, well, well, look. Some, sometimes, sometimes you got to be forced in the right direction. So, again, great job, Gabe Kibb. Uh, I'm a, a fan, and I look forward to seeing his matches. And this was good. This was another solid opener. So, um, yep. I, I mean. I'm not going to be a guy who's going to sit there and say, go out of your way to watch, but these are solid matches. And, and to be honest, uh, I'll put these Young Lions matches up against just about anything. Um, comparable, you know, in, in, in a compare, like, you see, seriously, I mean, not to get into this debate, this is the last thing I want to do, but I'm going to make the point anyway. I'll put these matches up against, give me the NXT, give me any other dojo in the entire world, Young Lions training system, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Come on, these these guys blow everybody away. Blow everyone out of the water. 
So, our next match on the card, second match, was Juice Robinson defeating Yoshihashi in the B block. 15 minutes, 57 seconds with pot friction. First thing I think we've got to talk about is uh, Juice Robinson's new outfit. So, he's got this kind of Blues Brothers things going on because he is from Jolay yeah. in Illinois, uh, which is where the, I think it's the opening scene of the Blues Brothers when they're in jail there. So there's a, there's a little connection there. He's got new hair. It's kind of slicked back. Longer than we, we saw before. The little... What's the little beard thing called? I don't know. The, the little goatee? bit un, under your lip. Yeah, it's not quite a goatee. New gear. He's got the, the black tights and the white singlet underneath. Uh, Matthew says, was I the only person who immediately hated Juice's new look? Then after around three minutes, loved it. Uh, what did you think of Juice's new outfit? Uh... Didn't like it. <laughs> Very ska. It was a, that's what it first it reminded me of. And Blue Brothers, you know, have a little bit of a ska element there. Um, you ever see the movie Blues Brothers? Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi. I haven't actually seen it, but now I think I should watch it. It's good. It's a classic. Um, you know, classic late seventies, early eighties, maybe uh, movie. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the. Um, that the that day's equivalent of like maybe like a John Candy and sidekick movie or a uh, David Spade and who was the comedian who passed away big guy, uh, I don't know you know whatever uh, I think it's something somebody I I've seen it it's good it's fine uh, I didn't like the look I like juice being colorful I do I look forward to juice being colorful I don't think this was colorful uh, that this was very drab. I will say this. He looked like he put on a little bit of weight, didn't he? Do you mean muscle or fat? Uh, both, maybe. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> he definitely had a tan. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't notice that. But yeah, the, the, the singlet was just a bit weird because it looked like a, a wife yeah. beater vest. And I kept yeah. thinking, like, take off the vest. And then I thought, oh, no way, it's a singlet. And it, yeah, uh. it was just a bit weird. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of times guys wear shirts in the ring because they're maybe not uh, as fit, as ring presentable as they want to be. <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm just, you know. Uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I like juice being colorful. I like I like the, the pop of the colors and um, I don't know. It left a little bit something to be desired to look. Uh, again, I appreciate the fact that he's not afraid to change up a look. There's nothing wrong with that, but I... I don't think this one is the best fit for my tastes. For my tastes, and you know what? A, what a forty-year-old guy who, who who fucking cares, right? 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 Uh, but I was happy to see Juice. I was happy to see him. I I I like. I think he brings in energy. Uh, that is that is sorely needed. And the uh, the we will rock you, stomp stomp <laughs> clap stomp. I <laughs> thought that was good. I really like that. It brought a, a lot of uh, energy from the crowd. I think everybody should have their own clap. What do you think of that? Everybody should come up with their own clap, and that's how you support the guy that you. Uh, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? Anyway, who would remember all that? Uh, but yes, the yeah, Juice got got that one, so he can take the he can take the easy one <laughs> that he came up with the idea. Uh, what did you think of Yoshi Hashi? Okay, well you're in trouble, Damon, because I know you've got the wonderful nickname, the Bag of Socks, but he's got a new nickname now, which is Ichiban Sweet Boy. Did you see Juice's promo afterwards? I did see that. 
Not not content with beating him clean in the ring and taking two points and starting him off on a losing record for the G1. He just goes and fucking murders him with the post-match promo as well, comparing it to the sweet, sweet boy working at the family mart down the road. <laughs> he did fucking... That was a burial beyond belief. Oh, Yoshihashi. Look, I, I think he did okay, right? He wasn't... He's fine. He's he's not as bad as people say he is. He, I, I thought the match was good. I like the fact that he's coming out with his little never six man belt because <laughs> Ishii and Goto ain't fucking touching that shit. Uh, <laughs> it was one of the better Yoshihashi matches in in recent memory. It's probably the best one since the Ibushi match he had in the New Japan Cup uh, a couple of years ago. He he needs a, a fiery opponent to bounce off of, and I thought Juice was a, a good opponent for him and. A, a, Good opening match, lots of energy. Maybe went a little bit too long for my liking, but it was fine. Yoshihashi is fine. I'm, I have no problems with him being in the G1. Is there a match with, with Yoshihashi against an opponent that you're looking forward to? Like, what is the one? Like, if you were to circle one opponent, Yoshihashi versus blank, I that sh- that I'm looking forward to. What would that be? The Kenta match because they got history together. Okay. Uh, they had their match in, I think, was it in the, the States before for the Never Openweight title? Ooh, I can't remember exactly where it was, but yeah, they, they've got their little ongoing story and Kenta built that up, talking shit about Yoshihashi backstage. So yeah, that's one I'm looking forward to. I might go Tanahashi. I think that might be, might find a way to make that good. Yeah, I just, again, he's not terrible. He's just, again... Bag of socks, man. Like, like you appreciate it when you have it, but it's not something you look fucking forward to. That's for sure. Um, I, 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 I struggle with what his appeal is to people. Like, I feel like I know that people like the loser idea. You know, and you're going to support the loser guy. But aside from that, like I don't, I don't know what people can sink their teeth into with this guy. Um, even coming out to the ring, like he just looks frightened. I don't know, just so unsure of himself. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I gotta be honest with you. I don't watch pro wrestling to to see people who are unsure of themselves. I'm sorry. I look. For, I look for the opposite as for an escape. Um, eh, it's Yoshihashi. He'd keep, he's, keep getting back up or whatever the fuck is stupid. Ichiban sweet boy. Um, that's <laughs> that's what we're go. going with. Love right. it. A sweet, sweet boy. Okay, uh, third match was uh, Toriano defeating Sonata in 6 minutes, 16 seconds with a ring out. Uh, Damon, this did absolutely nothing for me. It was the same finish as the Moxley match last year. I think Yano can be funny when he's creative and comes up with new material, but this felt lazy to me because uh, we've seen it before. So, yeah, it was just nothing. But on the plus side, I do think Sonata looks good. He's got a nice haircut now. He's shaved his beard. He looks like a proper main eventer now. I'm not sure about the tiny cat mask. <laughs> I don't know what, what that was supposed to be. But I, I think in terms of the, the haircut and the beard, he's looking good. A very hunky man. Yano's yeah, a night off for people. Um, they don't have to work incredibly hard. They, they, they can get away with murder. 
Um, they're going to tie each other with the you know ring tape, and you're, you're getting what you're getting. Um, some people enjoy it. Some people loathe it. I'm somewhere in the middle. It depends on what fucking mood I'm in. Uh, this match, yeah, it seems like I've seen a lot of this before. Uh, the hiding of the tape, the, the you know, we're, we're, we're locking them up with uh, a young lion so they can't get back into the ring. <laughs> it's a count out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, what do you want me to say? I, I will say this, though. I will say this. Um, I don't want too much of this. Because it, this can get old pretty quick, don't you think? Yeah, but I mean, it's Yano in the G1. You, you know what to expect by this point. You're going to get nine silly matches. And they're usually inoffensively short. They're usually quite low on the card. So it's just, uh, whatever. It's, uh, it doesn't do make me angry, active, but... Do people actively look forward to Yano matches, do you think? Some people do. I know friend of the show Tyler he he's a big Yano fan he seems to enjoy it a lot more than we do so yeah there are people out there who this stuff um, works for them and if it puts a smile on their face then who are we to tell them that it's wrong Damon well let's be honest here we we, we both know Tyler is a bit of a weirdo <laughs> <laughs> uh, we love him Tyler. I love him he's the best he gave me um, he recently got married do you know that yeah he did he looks a million bucks Speaking he of sure hunks. Did. Yeah, he did. He looked good. He looked good. I was so ha- I felt so bad. I feel so bad for people trying to get married. <laughs> um, he had a big wedding planned and honeymoon. Uh, yeah, they were going to go to New York um, you know, for uh, the New York shows as a, as a, as a, a, a kind of like a bachelor, bachelorette kind of party thing. And I don't know. I felt so bad. I, and, he, and he did. He looked like a million bucks. So. Um, congratulations. That was probably a couple of months ago, but, um, uh, yeah, I don't know how he transitioned out of that. I'm going to leave that to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, our fourth match was Kenta defeating Hiroki Goto with the game over in 17 ah. minutes and 15 seconds. I thought this was a very, really good match. Uh, I thought it was better than their Wrestle Kingdom match because it had all the slaps and the kicks and the hard hitting shit. And it also has a really great submission work for both guys. Uh, we had Goto going after Kenta's bad shoulder and Kenta wanting to win with the game over because he used that in the same building to beat uh, Morishima for the GHC title in 2008. Yeah. And I thought, you know, whereas I said that the submission stuff did not work for me in the Okada Ibushi match, it did work for me here because they put the work in. There was the groundwork early on that made this dramatic and it was sort of back and forth submission sequences uh, that I thought were very exciting. And there were quite a few times where I thought either guy was going to tap out. There were a few moments where Goto had him in that, that shoulder move and Kinta nearly got to the ropes and then Goto sort of rolled over and got him back in the middle of the ring. And I thought, oh, that's it, he's done. But he managed to power out of that. So really good stuff. There was a very, very slight botch at the end when the, the GTR game over reversal sequence. But I mean, in spite of that, that's a, a minor quibble. I thought it was a really high quality match. And again, Thankfully, wrestled cleanly by Kenta. No bullshit, no ref bumps, no interference. Because yep. we saw all that on New Japan Strong, and I thought, uh-oh, is he bringing that to the G1 as well? Looks like he won't. Hopefully he doesn't. So, big thumbs up from me. Uh, I'll make it short and sweet, because I know we got two matches that we really want to dive in, into deep. But, uh, two points. One, uh, I, th- I did like the match. I thought it was really good. 
I don't think it was a great match, but I thought it was really good. Enjoyed it. Um, and I was a little bit worried going into it. I, I thought this could be a, a match that dragged, and it didn't feel like it dragged much at all. Um, second thing, can we get Kenta a new briefcase? Because that the one he has right now is awful. <laughs> it absolutely looks it. It looks like luggage that he would carry his carry on uh, on an airplane. Uh, it looks. <laughs> Let me tell you, David. When I was in uh, primary school, uh, used to be grade five, the American equivalent. We had our school play of uh, uh, a production called Blast Off, which is about school kids going into space, and I played the role of the school inspector, Mister oh. Huggins. And I had a briefcase which looked very similar to that. So that's the kind of aesthetic we're getting here from Kenta. A school inspector in an elementary school production. (laughs) That is great. Uh, Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? It really stinks. Um, I like this match, though. Uh, So that this Kenta's going deep. I think, I, I mean, I have them in my finals. And if anybody's going by my predictions, I mean, I'm, I'm near the top of the voices of wrestling uh, pick and pull. So I hopefully hopefully everybody got on the, the Damon bandwagon and just copied their yeah. picks from uh, the no, show. Let's, let's, let's take a moment. You Take a victory lap, mate. You are top. You got the highest score. I mean, you're joint with a few people, but that's something worth celebrating. How about that, right? How about that? That's just going to end real quick. Trust me. I, <laughs> I, I'm going to fall like a fucking rock. But uh, at least for the time being, I'll take a, a, t- I'll take a, a, a two-night victory lap. How about that? Uh, and then uh, we'll see where we go. Listen, they got some nice prizes over there. I mean, I don't know why we're hyping it because you can't – you're done. If you didn't sign up, fuck you. You're, you're beat. Uh, but everyone can follow along. I was a little disappointed, too. I didn't see all the names. I remember last year everybody had like nice creative Super J cast names. I didn't see too many this year. I'm a little disappointed. I always look forward to that. Oh well, what are you gonna do? Zach versus Evil. That's what we're gonna do. Zach versus Evil. So Zach Saber Jr. with a surprise win over Evil, 40 minutes, 54 seconds with the European clutch. And just Zach came across like a massive baby face here, just because of the dynamics yeah. with him and Evil. And I really loved the opening with Zach. Like picking up his history with Dick Togo and going after him and grabbing his finger, you know, he's about to break his wrist, and then Evil blindsides him. And we got that little flurry on the outside where Evil he got all his bullshit in early, but I thought he did it in a way that was exciting and done in a, a fast-paced way that set up the story of the match. Where then he starts out muscling and bullying and, and roughing up Zach, who would then fire back with these creative submission counters and I found it tremendously exciting. This was my favourite Bullet Club evil match and I think he's starting to get a lot more comfortable with the character and Zach, surprisingly, was a perfect opponent for him even though Zach is not exactly Mr. Squeaky Clean Babyface and just the finish where he reversed the evil into the the European clutch was so good. I was fist pumping, jumping off my sofa. I watched that about 20 times. The crowd loved it. They made noise when they weren't supposed to. And it just made Zach feel like a huge baby face star. And in as much, I, I think, showed the value of the evil turn. Because if you get the same finish against LIJ evil, we feel nothing. Yep. But against Bullet Club evil, we're cheering. We're, yeah, that got him. So, so now evil... You know, maybe his wrestling is not as good as it was under Lij Evil, but he is eliciting a strong emotional response from from me at least, and I think from the fans. That that crowd, sound from the, noise, the the crowd wasn't for nothing, and that emotional response wasn't there before. 
because now I watch Evil, I want this cheating fucker to lose. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of value in that, especially in the G1. So, you know, if everyone else is wrestling clean and it's only Jay doing the bullshit in A block and Evil doing the bullshit in B block, I'm okay with that. Because, like I said, I was worried that not only would Jay and Evil be doing it, but Yujiro and Taichi and Yano and Kenta, they'd all and be Kenta. doing it too. But I thought between the two nights, they got the balance right. And I really, really enjoyed this match. Yeah. Yeah, this is this this was the example of of the the ref shenanigans that uh, I felt like it worked. Um, yeah, Zach, one of the best moments was that finish. Um, and and Zach almost bouncing out of the ring um, and 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 getting out of dodge, you know, and lying. And, and, lying. Sorry, the fact that he was lying on the floor afterwards, yep. selling the the battering he got from Evil, and Evil's like in the rest face, going, "What? Well, that was that was only two. So it it didn't make. Evil look weak. I thought just yep. the fact that Zach was still selling the beat down afterwards. And you're right. Like all for all of everyone's complaining and everyone's, this guy doesn't deserve to be a champion. And this belt is special. And we're 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 giving it to this guy and blah blah blah. And again, listen, dude. I'm there are days where I'm I'm on board with that or was on board with that to a certain degree. Um, I think what they what they did was they gave a guy a new coat of paint. They made you more emotionally invested. Now, again, they can't do this all the fucking time. They have to pick their spots because it can get old quickly. But here, net then, executed flawlessly, I got no problem with it. And I think it, dare I say, it added to the match. Because here's the thing. I thought the match was really good. I texted you, uh, like when that happened, and I was like, "Oh, no. I said another fucking ref bump." And then, literally, late minutes later after the pin, I was like, "All right, that was actually really good." <laughs> right? So you know, it it worked to to perfection. So uh, I got no complaints about that. I thought the match was really good. I thought the finish was spectacular. And our main event in the evening in the sixth match Ooh. was Tetsuya Naito. Defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in 27 minutes, 16 seconds with the Destino. Whew. I mean, this is it, it is right up there with their 2017 trilogy, which was amazing. Like as soon as we saw Tanahashi doing the high five flow from the top rope to the floor, then we we know we're in business. That was it. Yep. That was the moment. I just incredible selling by both guys. Again, I hate to keep doing this, but it made the Okada Ibushi match look poor by comparison. When here, you got two guys who know how to wrestle this kind of match in a, a compelling way. And Daniel writes in and says, Was I the only one feeling intense emotion at the faces of agony Tanahashi was making? It's crazy that all of his moves now have more meaning on it, uh, as it seems every single one of them causes him so much physical pain. It adds, it just adds a layer of depth to an already amazing performer. And I totally agree with that. It's all of that adding up and like the finishing stretch. And everything had a kind of sloppiness to it that I found really uh, dramatically satisfying because you had all the legwork. And the fact we know these two guys, they're not in perfect health. They're beaten up already. They've been battering each other for 25 minutes. So all of these like kind of rickety Destino attempts, the Valentias, the Sling Blades, the High Fly Flows, and you're kind of watching through your hands thinking, oh, like you're scared they're going to drop each other on their heads. But that made it really exciting for me. That added drama to me. By far, best match of the weekend. Maybe one of the best COVID era matches. Loved it. Yep. I, 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 when when Tanahashi hit that high fly flow, 
and, and let's be honest, he, he that was not a weak. That was a full on smashing. Then back into the ring, and this guy is fucking fired up, and I'm fired up, and he hits those uh, dragon screws with a snap that I haven't seen since 2012, and he is fired up, and I am fired up, and I am ready to go, and Tanahashi win this fucking match and beat this clown, this champion, (laughs) and I want you, I was all in, I was all in, Joel, find me another fucking pro wrestler who steps up, goes up to the top rope. And you think he's going to hit that second high for a flow. He's going to do it. And, you know, you want to yeah. see the rematch. You want to see him get the title shot. And then Naito rolls out the way and he just splat on the mat. And everyone goes, oh. Yes. Name me another fucking pro wrestler that steps up the way that Hiroshi Tanahashi does in a big spot. Name me another big time, big spotlight. I have to put on a fucking match to win this fucking show over, name me another fucking wrestler who can do that. Stop yelling at me, I agree. (laughs) I'm doing Lanza. You do Rich. This would be great. Uh, Name me another one. I am am blown away by what this guy... Joel... In his first G1 match. This is the first match of the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. You got eight more after this, mate. He put everything into this. And that kind of that's a brilliant story in and of itself, where you got fucking Okada sleepwalking through and Tanahashi is just like, fuck it, opening night, death or glory, let's go, motherfucker. Yeah, unbelievable. How does he and here's the thing, every there is something that Tanahashi does that I really feel like no other pro wrestler does as effectively as him. Every single not only move every single movement means something everything it's a, it's an amazing what he, what he's able to do and create in that ring to get you emotionally captivated i i remember when i first talked to colin miller and i was in the parking lot at my work talking about doing he had some other podcast that I was on before we even did purecast and we were talking about Tanahashi and it was right around G1 and I remember talking about how he's you know held together with fucking duct tape and how he's not going to last much longer and how long ago was that F- 7 years ago and now I sit here and I'm talking about a match that knocked my fucking socks off. And every year he does it. I, I And here's the thing, too. Sometimes I, I think it's tongue-in-cheek. And sometimes I think it's, you know, just people being people, trying to get a laugh or get a rise or whatever. But when I see, like, online discourse about Tanahashi not being good, I... I like I'm, I'm instantly out. Like I just, I, I have to, I just, I'm out. I'm out. I can't. That's nonsense. Because if you watch this match and you are not captivated 
by that pro wrestling exhibition put on by that man. And let's be honest here. Naito held up his end of the bargain. He was no slouch in this match either. He was pretty great as well. But Tanahashi was the story here. And he did it again at his age, at his physical condition, at, at, with body parts hanging on by duct tape. He did it again. We're talking, people are talking about match of the year. People are talking about the best match of COVID-era New Japan Pro Wrestling. People are talking about the best match of 2020. Hiroshi Tanahashi. That is a fucking legend. And I'll tell you what. If he's not one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time, my name is fucking Mud. I don't know. Thank you. Uh, I got my vitamin. Interesting uh, you say that, actually, because uh, John writes another question. Even at his age and with his body breaking down, is Tanahashi the best wrestler in the world? And it's hard to argue. Physically, you might have questions on a day-to-day basis. Like He's not going to give you that match every single day. But in a big spot, in a, in a big moment, th- th- he delivers. G1 in Wrestle Kingdom, you're going to get great Tanahashi. I don't know how he does it. He, you know, I don't know what he's taking to get him through the day. He he finds a way to do it. He finds it within himself to make it happen. So, never doubt Tanahashi in G One, and never doubt Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. That that those are words to live by. So, out of the what twenty three guys we watch wrestle at the weekends, who do you think had the best haircut? Ha. <laughs> Um, I thought Wills was all right. I like Wills. Um, Tanahashi. I don't like the braided Tanahashi. It just looks like it's uncomfortable. I don't know. I like that. Um, I'll go. I'll go. Will with best haircut. I'll go Sonata. I think he just looked a million bucks with that haircut. Did a lot more for him than the kind of shaggy look that he had going before. And the reason I'm talking to you about hair, Damon, is because as yeah. guys. So much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair, from how it feels after getting a fresh cut to the way it's perfectly styled before going out or going out for a big match in the G1 Climax. And that's why when we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing the first signs of hair loss, it definitely feels like panic time because, let's face it, no guy is ever ready to go bald. Thankfully, now, there's Keeps, a simple and easy way to keep your hair. Did you know two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35? And the best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. You can get treated from home. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription, but now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy and deliver your medication every three months. So you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. So, if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash superj to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash superj. Please do use this stuff because, you know, we don't charge for this podcast. We're not doing Patreon. Never going to do a Patreon. Never, ever, ever, ever. Two hours of audio per week. That is my limit because... I don't want to do any more than that because you know I've got stuff to do. You know I'm busy with work. I've got got my family. I've got my beautiful daughter, my beautiful wife to spend time with. I don't want to be putting out extra content. So we're never going to put this stuff behind a paywall. But using that stuff, using those little codes, it helps because it shows the advertisers, hey, 
these people are worth investing in. So, again, keeps.com, K-E-E-P-S.com slash Super J. Nip that hair loss in the bud. I wish I had keeps when I was younger, man. Ah, oh, well, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if I had keeps, ugh, I'd be, I'd be all over that shit. God damn it. Get the keys. Learn from Damon's mistake, everyone. Although you yeah. you are a, a sexy bald guy, so you, you carry it off well. I'll give you that. Thanks. All right, All right let's do it. So, um, well, I guess we should preview some of the stuff coming up. I get a quick sh- uh, behind the curtain discussion here, Damon. We've got shows coming up Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, and then the next show after that is Tuesday. So, when are we going to record our next show? So, how many shows do we want to preview now? Is the question. <sighs> Let's preview. I mean, because if yeah, we, we record, have... we can't record next Tuesday because there's a show on Tuesday, so that'll be out of date by the time there'll be a show going on yeah. while we're talking. So we can't do that. Can we? Uh, is the weekend? What do you think the weekend? Record on a Sunday, or can you, is Monday totally off the table for you? Um, uh, let me. I'm looking. Let's do a real time check of the schedules. Um, Monday. All right. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to block off time on Monday. Um, in the morning to make it look like I'm, I have an important phone call, but I'm, but it's, but keep it quiet. This is an important tell phone anybody. call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is. Uh, and I block off time, and then uh, we'll fucking, we'll do the show on Monday. We'll record Monday. How's that? That sounds great. So we'll just quickly go over these matches. So we've got Wednesday in Hokkaido coming up. Uh, we've got you, Oemra, against Gabriel Kidd. Then we've got Jeff Cobb versus Shingo. Okada versus Yujiro. Suzuki versus Taichi, Ishii versus Osprey, Ibushi versus Jay White. So, uh, give me a pick for that. So, first of all, Cobb versus Shingo. Both on a goose egg. Both got a loss. Who's picking up their first points here? Cobb versus Shingo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Big I, I believe. Yeah, I, I believe I went with uh, Shingo, didn't I? Yes. Yeah. And then we got Okada versus Yujiro. Can you see Yujiro getting the big upset here? Finally getting his revenge on Okada. I can't, man. I, I just can't say it. <laughs> I I, I mean, that would be something. I can't, I can't see that. And uh, then we got Suzuki versus Taichi. So here's an interesting one. The question here. Da, 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 da. Uh, Kilowatt says, which faction leader, Okada, Suzuki, White or Naito, has the best chance of losing to a subordinate in their own faction this year in the G1? This is a very, very rare occurrence. I tweeted out earlier. It's only how... Ha- in the last five years, it's only happened two out of 14 times where a faction right. leader has lost to a subordinate. So that was Okada losing to Ishii in 2016 and then losing to Jay White in 2018. So it does not happen very often. Do you think it happens here in the Battle of suzuki Goon with Suzuki taking on Taichi? In Taichi's hometown, ha- no less. Yeah, I have it down as a win, actually. So uh, I think it's... And, and let's be honest here, that Okada-Ishii match is still a sore spot with me because Ishii never got a title match. Uh-huh. Um, yes, I say Taichi gets the win over Suzuki. And here is a mouth-watering semi-main here. Tomohiro Ishii against Will Ospreay. That very, very exciting <laughs> match. Uh, oh. yep. uh, Ishii's got to get points somewhere, right? Um, I think this is an easy match that Osprey can lose and not really lose any momentum. Correct. Correct. And I think there's got to be a little bit of a balance out time. So, yeah, uh, easy. And then we have uh, Wrestle Kingdom rematch with 
Kota Ibushi against Jay White. So Ibushi won the G1 Climax Final last year, and then at Wrestle Kingdom, Jay White got his win back. So it's the rubber match with Ibushi and Jay White. Who is taking the points home? G1 Finals, right? Mm. I'm going Ibushi Ibushi. here. Yeah, he's going. He's going two and zero here. Yep. Um, I'm going Jay White. Then we have a show coming up on Thursday, also in Hokkaido. We got Goto against Sanada. So both guys on zero points, nil point. Uh, yeah. I will pick Sanada to get off the blocks here. I as well. Yes, I as well. And then we got Tanahashi against Yano. Tanahashi. Tanahashi lost to, to Yano before. It was like a two-minute match. Remember that? The hair-pulling thing? Mm-hmm. So there is a history there. It has happened before. Can't see it happening again. There's no way Yano goes 2-0, right? Tanahashi gets a win. We got Juice Robinson against Kenta. I think Juice could pick up a win here and he title himself to a crack at that US title briefcase mm. in the future. And you were thinking the same thing. I think that's a good pick right there. Juice picking up a win? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Then we have Yoshihashi against Evil. Uh, again, very tempting to go for the upset babyface win here for Yoshihashi. Both guys on zero points, but I mean, really, this should be a match where Evil is beating the crap out of Yoshihashi Dominance. and pinning yeah. him in five minutes. But the fact that it's the fifth match on the card suggests that's not going to happen. So, again, I'm going to go for an Evil win, but it won't be the uh, cakewalk that I think it should be. It should be a cakewalk. Um, and I will go with Evil, hoping that it's a cakewalk and give the main event extra, extra long time. Uh, and main event, that is Tetsuya Naito against Zack Sabre Jr. Two people with excellent chemistry. They've had a really interesting feud over the last few years. Uh, this one is tricky to call because Zack would be a nice filler defense for Naito between now and Wrestle Kingdom. So I'm tempted to go for Mr. Sabre Jr. here. It is tempting, isn't it? I, the only thing that's holding me back on that is Zach is tag team champion. So he is going to be busy. He might not be a good fit to be programmed into a title match because he's holding those titles. Um, so I'm going to go with Naito winning. And then we have our show on Sunday in Kobe World Hall. Uh, we've got Suji against Gabriel Kidd. And then in the A block, we have Taichi versus Yujiro. So... A lot of shithousery here, we can imagine. Uh, who are you picking? I had Yujiro getting his first win. Hmm, that's an interesting one. I guess it will depend on the outcome of Taichi Suzuki. Because could Taichi come off a big uh, a big win over Suzuki yep. and sort of solidify himself as you know possibly the guy to take over from Suzuki in that fashion? And then maybe take Yujiro scores a, a cheap win over him and yeah I don't think that would hurt him too much Uh, then we've got Jeff Cobb versus Minoru Suzuki which very interesting match yeah I'm looking forward to that one Uh, yeah keep that one short though that one's got to be short it's got to be hard hitting short don't let this go 15 minutes Uh, Suzuki I'm going with fourth match is Kota Ibushi against Tomohiro Ishii they had a tremendous match in the 2018 G1 Climax you expect more of the same here oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> I hope. Uh, Ibushi win. But yeah, I'm, that's that's one I have circled to be great. 
right? I'm expecting greatness out of that one. And then more greatness in the fifth match, rematch of last year's Best of the Super Juniors final, Will Ospreay against Shingo Takagi. Oh, um, I God. expect Shingo to get his win back here. What a match, right? This is going to be a good fucking week for pro wrestling. This is going to be a good, fun week for pro wrestling. Um, I'm boy, I'm on the fence. It could be Shingo. Uh, but then I, I would have Will would have Will losing two in a row. Uh, I went Will, I think. I think I went Will. And then the main event, Kazuchika Okada against Jay Whitehall. So this, I think, could be that turning point match for Okada where, you know, maybe if he fucks up against Yujiro, this is the match where things are not going well and Jay White just won't tap out to the money clip. That if this is storyline, Okada's like, ah, fuck it, and just knocks... Jay White's head off with a Rainmaker. But I don't know, because as I've explained before, this Okada thing has just left me somewhat flummoxed. So how do you see this one going? Personally, I think this is a win for Okada. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know if, if, if Okada gets a loss against Yujiro, right? I think he's got, to me, he wins that match. Um, if it plays out that he loses, I could definitely see that being you know the turning point for, for Okada. Uh, look, I got Okada in the final, so he's got to pick up wins later. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I have him as a loss here too as well. Jay White winning. Yeah. That's tough. Honestly, that Yujiro match is going to make the difference. Like, like if he loses that match, he's got to get a win against fucking Jay White, right? Um. Just to get the fucking... Just for points. There's only so many dates left. Yeah, um, you think if you're going to win a block, you can afford a maximum of two losses. Right. Can't be more than that. But I do I, I did have Jay White winning and then Okada kind of taking it from there. So we'll see if, if, if my predictions stay. stay. Um, my, my predictions are subject to change as, as shows go on. Want to do a few questions then before we go? Uh, Jason says, do you see a a year, not even necessarily this year, where the G1 winner loses the briefcase before the Dome, just to show that it's a possibility? Yeah, I I think you've got to pull the trigger on that at some point, just so it's established as a thing. Maybe this is the year to do it, because crazy things are happening this year. Yeah, this would be the year to do it. Um, Like, like if if there were odds, it would be this year, because why not? Um... Which has me a little concerned in the sense of because I have Okada winning. Yeah, um, so Okada wins the G one. He's got the briefcase uh, defense against I don't know Jeff Cobb, and he loses the briefcase. He's <laughs> fucking around with a money clip. He can't get it around Jeff Cobb's huge head and neck. <laughs> right. Or he tries it on Ishi. Ishi's got no neck to choke. It just doesn't work. Right, just slips right off. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, troubling if you're an Okada guy. That's for sure. But um, yeah, this would be the year to do it. That's for sure. Daryl says, living in the Eastern time zone just outside Toronto, is it possible to watch all the matches live whilst not jeopardizing either my profession or my marriage or both? I mean, how are you finding the schedule, Dave? Because even I, I'm, I don't think I could watch everything live because of my uh, family commitment. So, like, for example, on Sunday, I missed the start of the show. I took Esther for a swimming class, then was able to watch it on delay when I got home. So even for me, where the time zone is very favorable, I'm only two hours behind Japan, it's tough. Yeah. Um, it's a commitment. I mean, we always talk about the G1, you know, the 
it shows every night, you know, in the middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, just about every week going into October. Um, I'm East Coast as well. So here's what I do for the shows that start like super early in the morning, like two o'clock in the morning. I'm not waking up. Uh, when I when I wake up, uh, do not go to your phone. Do not take a piss, get something to drink, sit in front of the fucking TV. And that's the first thing you got to do. Like you just got to let people know that I just got to get through. Give me an hour. Go do whatever you want to do for an hour, whatever that it is. But sit and watch these and get it done. Because because if you wait, uh, like in the afternoon, you're gonna get spoiled. I'm just saying it from experience. But these shows coming up this week, they start at like 5:30 a.m., which is not terrible. Um, you know, if I'm usually getting up six six thirty, right? 5:30 is not terrible. So 5:30. I mean, I got the TV in the bedroom, so it's, you know, but 5.30, my wife wakes up, so she goes downstairs and does fucking yoga and whatever the, you know, her exercise class and shit online. Ah, boom, right on. Not, I, I, the remotes are right next to me. Just roll over, pop on, and we're watching G1. So um, the 5.30 shows this week, you can do, and I would highly recommend it because here's the thing. Kids aren't going to be up. Uh, even the missus might still be asleep. There's your opportunity. So a little bit, you got to get up a little bit early, but that's that's what I would do. Bash says, "Are you used to Japanese commentary now? Sometimes the odd English word cheers me up with the chance, chance, chance being said a lot." I really enjoyed the uh, ZSJ ZSJ chant that was going on in the Evil match. That did put a smile on my face. I love them. I, you know, it's again. I don't understand everything that they're saying, obviously, or much of what they are saying. But there is an energy that you get from the Japanese commentary. Um, it I, look, I like, I love Kevin Kelly. I, I I think it's he does a tremendous job. Um, but that being said, um, there is something you got to catch these shows when they happen. It's I can't wait three days to watch a fucking show. Um, so taking that into consideration, um, I've always watched the Japanese commentary anyway. So it's really not a big like I don't I don't. While I, I do miss the English commentating, I, I it's not a deal breaker for me. Louis says, with both nights of the A and B block behind us, how do you think the wrestlers who worked really fast pace all out match for their first match will make it for the rest of the tournament? So, uh, you know, do you worry that, for example, a Tanahashi or a Naito might sort of have to tone it down a bit for the rest of the tournament? That that's why you have Yano. That's why you have Yujiro. That's why. You know, you, you have spots in there where you can do that. Yes, I mean, it's uh, just but, occurred to me, now you've mentioned it, it's not a coincidence that Tanahashi is facing Toriyano in his next match. Right. I mean, it's, you know, I I don't want to say it's a night off, and, and I don't mean that as a disrespectful comment, but it's a night off. And also, uh, in- uh, sorry, Zack Sabre Jr., that's a sort of relatively low-impact match because Zack's not a guy where you need to be taking a load of flat-back bumps. So, again, looking that we've got Tanahashi versus Yano and then Naito versus Zack, that's there for a reason. Correct. Absolutely correct. Um, so, while, yes, it is grueling, don't get me wrong, and, and the people that are in G1 know the physical demands that it takes, uh, I remember hearing AJ, I, mean, I may have even talked to him about this, uh, about his physical conditioning before G1. Um, he was at a Ring of Honor show in Philly, and we were talking, and he uh, was talking about like the, the cardio that he was doing gearing up for G1. 
um, which I found fascinating. Um, so they know. I mean, they know the grueling schedule it is. But yeah, they're, they're, the schedule is kind of mapped out a little bit for a reason, which makes it even more fascinating that they're able to pull it off. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tyrone says, do you think doing the pickums in itself makes the G1 more enjoyable? Tanahashi Naito match was amazing, but I was even more invested in the ending stretch because I was dying for it to go to the time draw like I predicted. Uh, I can barely remember what my own picks are, so no, it doesn't add anything to me. I'm uh, excited to hear how Damon's doing because now I'm sort of rooting for you, Damon, to win this whole thing. That would be tremendous. But having said that, whilst I am excited and interested in your picks, when other people are telling me their, their picks and their scores... <laughs> it just it, I don't know why it just infuriates me I'm like I don't give a fuck what your scores are you know no. pe- people in you know Twitter oh I'm two and three so I don't give a shit <laughs> uh, I I kind of dig it I, I I I dig that element you know hey listen we got my bookie right uh, and so I I do like putting a couple bucks on a game or two um, and it does make it a little bit more interesting so. Um, yeah, I, I kind of dig the points things and seeing where people are and if I'm beating this particular person or or whatever the case may be. So I, I, I do kind of – I know I'm going to shit the bed at the end of the day. So um, don't get don't, don't don't get on this bandwagon too hard. But um, yeah, I, I, I do enjoy that element a, a little bit, yeah. Okay, well, that will do for today. All so right. thank you, as always, to our, our sponsors, MyBookie and Keeps. Use our – promo code super j to keep that going uh, redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast if you want to show some appreciation with some money that will be always appreciated uh, we always share that three ways between myself damon and editor dan for all the excellent work that he does and editor dan you can find him on twitter at lousy hero 219 discord link is in the show notes again always a lot of fun logging on to the discord in the uh, njpw live event spoiler zone so you can chat as you're watching the g1 shows a lot of fun. Do get involved if you're looking for uh, to make some new friends. Chat about the New Japan. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast to get one of our cool t-shirts. Subscribe to Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five-step review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the SuperJCast. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and goodbye. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.